0: Well, again, good morning. So glad that you are uh, here with us. I'm Nathan, one of the pastors. Uh, it's also great to see so many kids in here. Usually you're all in second service, but you're, you're in here first hour this week as well. So it's fun having you. So take good notes, right? There's still some candy left, all right? So we'll take good care of you. All right, well, why, don't we, why don't we pray together as we prepare to uh, look at this text this morning? Uh, God, we are so grateful for your goodness, for your love. God, help us to trust in you, to rely on you. And God, I pray that as we look at this text, this story uh, written so long ago, I pray that you would speak into our hearts and our lives in in practical, tangible ways. God, that we would um, um, know your presence and listen to your voice through your word. We ask this for the sake of Jesus. Amen. Well, there's a, a legendary story about three stonemasons. You may have, may have heard it before. Some of you probably have. Um, they, they are out, these, these three stone cutters, they're, they're doing their work, right? Um, in the blazing hot sun, sweaty and grimy, and a stranger comes up to them and asks, what are you doing? Well, the first one responds, I'm cutting stone, uh, and the, the second one says, I'm making a living. And the third one says, I am building a cathedral. Now, all, all three of those answers for them are 100% accurate. But which of the three do you think senses the greatest amount of, of meaning and purpose in the work that they do? It's the one with the, the biggest perspective. Perspective. And if you were listening along just a few moments ago, as, as Dana read our scripture for us this morning, uh, God commissions in that text the, bu- the 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 building of his of his tabernacle. That's kind of a, a prototype for the temple, a, a sort of of cathedral. It's a place designed for the presence of God and for people to worship. And none of us none of us here are building a cathedral or temple, and yet this morning, I want us to wrestle with this. How is your work like building a temple? Whatever you do, whether you get paid for it or not, really what I'm asking, how is your work sacred, if you wanna use that word? How is it significant to God? How are, you, how are we able to serve God in our work? Because no matter what you do, if it's good work, you know, moral, ethical, right? Following Christ. You just might be building a temple. Creating a space in your life for the presence of God. And in many ways, this is what we mean with this phrase here, connecting faith to work. Maybe you've heard us perhaps talk about that if you've been around any, any length of time. But maybe, maybe as we even start this, maybe there's a couple of questions that instantly come into your mind. First, Why are we talking about work? And second, Nathan, that's me, what do you know? You're a pastor, right? What do I know about work? Well, I I get that, okay? I I understand that sentiment, mostly because when we talk about this idea of connecting faith to work, um, you know, for me as a pastor, it's pretty obvious, at least it should be obvious the way my faith connects to my work, right? It It should be clear. But the reality is, the same is true of your work. Whatever it is, that you have just as much potential to serve Christ and bring honor to God in your work as I do. You have just as much potential and whatever you do to serve Christ and bring glory to God as I do. And yet at the same time, I realize that, that we have, right? We have different circumstances in our work. For me, it is, it should be, it's not always, it should be a little bit more obvious. But the only Christian work, Dorothy Sayers says, is good work well done. No matter what you do, no matter what, what your background, the only Christian work is good work well done. And so even though, okay, so I'm a pastor, different, different background, right? Not all of us work in full-time ministry. And so what we're going to do this morning is a little bit different. We're going to spend a little bit of a shorter time uh, in the text this morning. Um, that's all, always where we want to begin, right? We want to see what God has to say about a subject. Um, but then we're going to hear stories from a, a handful of our congregation members who are striving to live this out uh, so that you don't just have to take a pastor's word for it. So that we can see it in very practical ways in our lives, in our situations. So it's going to look a little bit different this morning. But the other question was, why are we talking about work? Okay, It's also a good question. I mean, it is Labor Day weekend, right? So it's kind of fitting to talk about work and rest and, and those things. Uh, but it's, it's bigger than that. If you, were, if you were here with us over these last couple of weeks, we've taken this time on behalf of our, of our elders and our staff to really talk about the things that we love as a church our our values, and where we think those values are taking us. So two weeks ago, we talked about our our five core values, right? Cross, yoke, Bible, church, city. You should all have those memorized by now, right? Okay? I'm guessing a lot of you kids probably do, okay? Teach your parents. Cross, yoke, Bible, church, city. But again, if we value those things, those values ought to push us to action, to actually doing something. So last week we talked about our five commitments as a church, right? And we, we focused especially as, if we think about where we're heading on multiplying, flourishing congregations. We talked about proclaiming the gospel, um, seeking the welfare of the city, developing next generational leaders. Now, all of those key to who we are and, and where we think God is, is sending us as a church. Uh, but this middle one, connecting faith and, faith and work, is really where we wanna focus our time this morning. And so let me read from our website kind of how we are defining that and then we'll look at this text together. On our website we write, according to God's design, we will seek to live out a thoughtful faith that connects Sunday to Monday. We believe it is important for us to grow in our understanding of how the Christian faith calls us to faithfulness in our places of work, whether paid or unpaid, that's really important. Specifically, we desire to grow in our understanding of the intersection of faith, vocation, and culture, and the understanding of our gifts and callings, as well as how we are to steward our callings. Because listen, one of the the primary works of the church is the church at work. Because the, the place where you spend the majority of your time, I mean, whether that's home or the office or school or factory, wherever the, the case, wherever you spend your time, that is your place most likely of greatest influence in this world. And if you remember, we talked a lot about this, you are the church. One of the primary works of the church is the church at work as you serve Christ and you seek the common good. Our greatest influence as a church, and I mean, we're we're celebrating that we're you know soon to launch our fourth campus, and we're we're excited about the possibility of of being able to proclaim the gospel in four communities across our city. That's that's awesome. But our greatest influence as a church doesn't happen in seventy five minutes on Sundays. It doesn't even happen in two hour service projects or short term mission trips. As important as those things are, it's not our greatest influence. Because most of us spend 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week, maybe more if you're a parent, working. When you walk through the the office doors or through the doors of your school, when you change yet another diaper, this is our place of greatest influence. As a church, Because that is our church at work. And so, are you making a living or are you building a cathedral? Are you collecting a paycheck or are you making room in your life and everything you do a place so that you can worship God? A kind of temple in our lives with everything. How is your work like building a temple? Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Exodus 31. Um, The scripture will be up here as well. Um, Genesis, Exodus, okay? So it's the second book of the Bible. Hopefully you'll be able to find Exodus 31. And this is such a remarkable text. It's it's an unusual one. Uh, For some of you, it's probably, I mean, I I probably read it several times before I even really noticed what was going on here. It seems so subtle. And and yet it shows in this text these, these individuals, these common laborers, It says that they are called by God, filled with his spirit, and equipped by him to do their work. And so as we look at this ancient story, we're gonna ask those questions of us. Have you been called? Have you been filled? And have you been equipped? And if the answer is yes, then your work is more like building a temple than you probably realize. So first... Have you been called? Now, I want to make a distinction right out of the gate here because oftentimes in our culture, when we talk about work, the first thing we think of is a paycheck. I mean, that's just we, we, that's how we define work in our culture. Work is payment for services. It's remuneration. But what does, that, what does that do for the unemployed or the retired? What does it do for you students, right, who are in school? You don't have a job yet. What does it do for moms who stay at home with their kids? I mean, if we define work as money, as payment for services, we quickly disregard half of the population. Work is not remuneration, work is contribution. That's, that's the definition that we need to work with together this morning. It's, what, it's the definition we long for all of us to have because Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, right? They were called and created by God to work the garden. Even before the world fell apart, right? Even before sin entered, they were called and created to work, to contribute. And every one of us as well whether you're paid or unpaid. So, so students, right, you are called to contribute uh, to the good of your, of your family, your home, and in your, in your classroom, all the while preparing to contribute all the more in the future. Moms, if you stay at home with the kids, I mean, your, your contribution to the good of our world is incalculable. And if you're unemployed or you're retired, you are still called to contribute the good of our world. That's part of how God made us, even before everything fell apart. Work is not about money. We've got, we've got to just sort of lay that groundwork. It's about contributing to the good of our needy world, for we have been called. So let's, let's look at Exodus 31, and beginning with verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, see, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. Now, obviously, here, okay, Bezalel is a unique individual and a unique story called for a very unique task. And yet, at the same time, Scripture teaches elsewhere that we are also called. And we are called first and foremost to God through Jesus. That that is the primary calling that God has on every one of us. He calls us to himself, and if, if we've responded to that call, if we've embraced Jesus, then that call extends into every aspect of our lives, that everything we do, everywhere we go, is all it, meant to be in service to him. That there, there's no such thing as sacred and secular, because as a follower of Christ, he is who we are always following in all things, in every situation, some of you might remember uh, from our series this past winter when we looked at in Colossians, right? Colossians chapter three. It says there, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And, and Paul there, he, he's talking to slaves. The most menial Workers of his culture. But if you, if you follow Christ, you have been called to serve him wherever you're at in anything. And even if, if we think about the fact that, that God is sovereign, right? That, that means that God is in control of all things. Then wherever you're at, whatever your situation, it's not by accident. God has put you there. He has called you there. That doesn't, that doesn't mean you can't change, right, your, your circumstances. It doesn't mean you can't look to sort of better your environment. That's not what it means. But it also doesn't mean that your, your work is necessarily gonna be easy or fun or even particularly rewarding all the time. But if God has put you there, then we are called to serve him there in all things. If you've been called it is Christ you are serving. Your boss isn't your boss. He is. And if that's true, everything in your life and mine is sacred. I mean, the word secular doesn't even make sense anymore. Everything we do matters. Everything is significant because Jesus calls us along with everything we are and everything we do to himself. If you've been called by God and you have, Your work is more like temple building than you might realize. Second, have you been filled with God's spirit? Bezalel was. Now this passage in Exodus is only the second place in scripture when it talks about us as humans being filled with God's spirit. It's only the second place it happens. The first, the first time it's, it happens is in Exodus 28.3. And there it refers to those who are skilled to make the priestly garments. And here God fills them with his spirit to work as craftsmen. Are you following this? The first places, the Bible talks about God's spirit indwelling us, empowering us is for ordinary tasks, now endowed with divine purpose. I mean, making clothes, building a building. It's ordinary. I mean, shouldn't shouldn't God's spirit be sort of held on reserve for, for preaching the gospel and, and saving souls and fighting against injustice? I mean these these other things they're just they're just so mundane. But if God's spirit lives within you, there is no such thing as ordinary. Look at Exodus 31, verse three. It says there, I have filled him with the spirit of God. Again, it's a, it's a unique story, a unique task. But have you been filled with God's spirit? I mean, if you've been called by him, if you've embraced Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the answer to that question is yes. That God's spirit, God himself lives within you. To all who believe in the the New Testament, it says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? We don't just build temples. We are temples, we typically think of the, of the Holy Spirit as, as really just for those really spiritual activities, right? Those kinds of circumstances. But is, is God's spirit any less with you when you're chauffeuring the kids or mowing the lawn or meeting with clients? If God's spirit lives within you, your work is empowered to serve him. And that he is with you in every circumstance, in all that you do. You're not alone as you seek to serve Christ in your work. As you build relationships with those around you, as you worship him in the mundane, as you work for the common good of our world. And he's always with you. Every meeting, every confrontation, every frustration. If you have been filled with God's spirit, your work is more like temple building than you might realize. And third, have you been equipped? Has God given you the ability to accomplish what he set before you? Let's read this passage again, beginning with verse one, just to kind of get the whole context here. The Lord said to Moses, see, I have called by name Bezalel, and I have filled them with the spirit of God, With ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood, to work in every craft. God equips him with ability, intelligence, knowledge, and craftsmanship. Yes, Bezalel is unique. But have you been equipped? Because let's just, let's just say for the sake of argument that God has called you to whatever place you are working, whatever, wherever you're serving, wherever you're, you're giving of that huge portion of your time, whatever that is, let's just say he's called you. And let's just say for the sake of argument, as a follower of Christ, he has filled you with his spirit. Do you think he's forgotten to give you what you need in order to serve him? In order to please him? And I'm not, I'm not just talking about success here, success in your work. I mean, that's, God doesn't promise that to us. At least not success as, as God defines it or as the world defines it. But think about it. God went to all that work putting you wherever you are, calling you. He allowed his very presence to live within you. Will he not also give you what you need in order to serve him? And if you've been equipped by God, your work is stewardship, our work. Let's read 2 Timothy here, just to look at a couple other spots in the New Testament. It says there that God has, has given us his word so that we may be complete. Equipped for every good work. In Hebrews 13, it says, Now may the God of peace equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight. That God hasn't left you hanging in your work. As a mom, a dad, as a student, as a laborer, as a teacher, as a lawyer, as a volunteer. Whatever work you do, God hasn't left you hanging. Your your upbringing, right? Your education, uh, your your personality, your environment, the, the natural gifts that God has given you, we often forget those are from him. That he has given us those things. If you're good at what you do, it's because God has made you so. If you're a harder worker, if you're smarter than some, it's because God has made you so. And so we are stewards of our abilities. Are you using your gifts to honor the one who calls you? Are you using your ability to praise the one who fills you? In your work and mine, are we serving others instead of ourselves? Even in the, in the place in which God has put you. If you have been equipped... And you have. Your work is more like temple building than you might realize. Now, of course, up to this point, right, as we talk about this, it may all seem more, more theoretical than practical. Okay, we, we can, in, our, in our minds, we can gather on, onto these three ideas and say, yes, but what does that actually look like? How, how does my work resemble building a temple? How is my work honoring to God? How is my work sacred? How do I serve Christ in my vocation? Well, I want to introduce three members of our congregation here to help us, to kind of talk through what this, what this looks like. The first is a video. Uh, this is a man who, who worships at our downtown campus, um, the video was actually made several months ago to celebrate his retirement, uh, but I think it fits so well uh, this morning that we wanted to, to show it as well. Uh, and while we're watching that video, two members of our congregation are going to come up um, and we're going to talk to them afterwards. So let's, let's watch.
1: The work journey on an assembly line is really emotional because there's, there's no hiding. Yeah, everyone, if someone's having a bad day, you, you really know they're having a bad day. When I came out here and got on the assembly line, it was it was so completely different than what I was doing in Ohio. And my fellow worker, right on the assembly line, you're working with people two and three feet, five of you, four of you, within a five-foot footprint. And uh, you get to know one another. It was through prayer that you know that uh, we wrote these letters to the, the big dogs and asked them if I could come to Kansas City. And my home church prayed. And, and within two weeks, we got that that answer. As I uh, did more and more years of service on the line, and um, becoming familiar with um, problem-solving issues, uh, I, I got a promotion through a UAW-negotiated job called a mutilation monitor and uh, you problem solve. Why is this dent happening, or why is this scratch happening? Just a couple years ago, I started hearing messages from the pulpit about how important work is. And uh, it made me feel so good because I, I'm a, I'm an hourly worker and a, a union worker. It's not a very glamorous job, but um, through the messages at work, or at church, excuse me, at church, um, I started to feel good about and realizing how much, I've realized it before, but really thinking about it, how much when we have work, we're working for the king. And so when you're asked something is asked of you, and you have the mindset, you're doing this for the Lord, it, it changes, it's a game changer. It, it is, it, I find myself um, trying to do things for those in authority above me and not get caught at doing them. I, uh, I think they would mention they need something, something done, and I would try to go do it without them seeing that I was doing it as I matured and and learned and looked at other people in any profession um, everyone really wants to perform the best for those who they serve and um, I didn't always think that but when you see that it's exciting
0: Well, Ken, as I mentioned, he, he attends our, our downtown campus, uh, worships there, and um, anyway, I was just, when I saw that video, I was so encouraged by his story um, and humbled, uh, but we have lots of people at the Olathe campus as well who, who seek to, to live this out, and so I've got up here uh, Amy Hill and Randy Tosh and really just wanted to have an opportunity to, again, not just talk about what this might look like um, theoretically, but to, to break it down in some very simple ways um, of how we can do this together. Um, they don't have it figured out, just for the record. Uh, neither do I. Uh, we're all trying to figure these things out together, but they have been called, filled, and equipped to serve Christ in their vocations. Um, and so I hope that you'll be uh, encouraged uh, by them. Well, why, don't we, why don't we start with, with Amy? Um, and just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, the work you've done in the past, the work you do now.
2: Um, I'm Amy Hill I've been married to my husband Brian for six years um, we have a son Brody who we two this month um, he um, and then he actually has a brother or sister that's going to be joining our family at the end of January um, so that's our family I could take this chance to you giving me a mic and ask me about my family I could brag about how smart he is and all those things but I won't um, he has no idea. He's smiling, but he really has no idea what's going to rock his world in that picture <laughs> in January. <laughs> Life will change forever. Um, I, before, um, I got married, I attended Pittsburgh State University, got an elementary ed degree, and I taught fourth grade in the Gardner-Edgerton district for about seven years. Um, and then once Brody came along, I became a full-time mom. Um, That was something Brian and I kind of talked about and planned um, to happen from the very beginning. Um, You know, it's definitely involved some sacrifice on our part to be a one-income family, but um, we feel like it's worth it um, for me to have the opportunity to um, just really speak into his life and play a large role in his development during these early years. Um, And I know that's not possible or even desirable for all families um, to have a stay-at-home mom, but... We just kind of feel that's God's path for our family.
3: So that's where we're at. It's
0: um, great. It's so. great. Randy, how about you? Tell us a little about yourself.
3: I think um, most of you, if um, you have um, a two-year-old especially, uh, have met my wife, Deb, um, who's downstairs right now. Um, we've been here at Christ Community um, almost from the beginning. Uh, we started in December after um, we started meeting here in October, I believe mm-hmm. it was. And um, I come from a background of um, mostly public service. I I should mention, first of all, sorry, because I see the picture up here in my peripheral vision. Um, We have a son and a daughter, uh, Brian, and his wife, Mandy. They just got married in July. Um, They live in Mission. And Heather, our daughter, you'll see here from time to time, because she just finished her degree at K-State in May, and uh, she's moved back home. She, She, as we like to say, she's boomeranged home. So we have her back. That's her graduation picture, of course. Um, Most of my life has been in public service. Um, I spent several years with the state government here in Kansas. And then um, most of you know that I'm the resident Australian here. Uh, I worked for the Australian government here in Kansas City for um, six of the last seven years. In the process of um, working for the Australian government, I met a great company called SmartVet. It's an animal health company based in Brisbane, Queensland. And since last August, I've worked for them. Um, you're going to think I'm crazy for admitting to this in public, but I actually have two full-time jobs. Um, I work for SmartVet from the K-State campus here in Olathe because I'm also a special assistant to the president at Kansas State. So it works out very well. Those two jobs are, are more compatible than you might think. But I work from the campus here and uh, do both of those things, it feels like, on a full-time basis. But yeah. um, yeah, it's good to be great. back in the private sector as well. Yeah.
0: Well, I think we've got a picture of you with uh, your K-State. Well, the, yeah, there's as the animal lover there. Well,
3: that was me playing Steve Irwin.
0: Okay, yeah, 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 right. Um, and actually, go to the next one, too. I think we've got kind of a, a picture of SmartVet. So, Randy, let's, I mean, we'll start with you a little bit here. Um, you just tell us about your work now with SmartVet in particular, um, what, what it is, why it matters, um, why it matters to God, and how you're contributing to the common good, I guess, basically.
3: To use um, the stonemason analogy that you gave a while ago, um, thanks to some recent publicity, if I were asked what I do, um, I could easily go, well, I'm the guy who does paintball for cows. And that would be an accurate explanation of what I do, but it really wouldn't be what drives me to do what I do. Um, The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation say that 70% of the world's poorest people Are reliant upon their livestock's health and productivity for their economic and food security. Add to that that the Harvard School of Business says that by 2040, uh, which isn't that far away, we must double the output um, of agriculture, especially animal protein, just to meet the world's supply, uh, world's demands. So when I look at my work, um, I could say, yeah, I produce paintball for cows because what we do, and well, the picture's gone, but we actually encapsulate the parasiticide that uh, cattle producers use to treat their herds for horn flies, face flies, and lice. Now, while that may sound like pretty mundane stuff, USDA says that the annual productivity loss to cattle here in the U.S. is $800 million. So when you consider that, you know, there's a significant loss here to not only the U.S., but extrapolate that around the world and realize that you know people, especially in sub-Saharan Africa, who are dependent entirely upon livestock, they have these same issues. Their cattle aren't giving milk, aren't producing meat, whatever. So they're unable to feed their families, their villages. So one of the things that we're doing is working very seriously to take the technology platform that enables SmartVet, not only commercialize it here, but then take the value of that commercialization and use it around the world yeah. to help people actually produce animal protein.
0: Yeah. and Well, let me even add, too, that's a new product that, that Randy and his partner have developed and are, are beginning to market and, and all of that to really revolutionize um, you know, that, that industry and to be able to provide for the common good of our world, right? So that we can eat and flourish um, here and abroad as well. Um Amy, how about, how about you? What are, what are some of your, you know, how do you um, see your work um, as a mom as contributing to the common good or, or goals that you might have? or?
2: Um, well, I don't even, I don't know if she's in here. I don't think she probably knows that I follow her blog, but Julie Lee has a blog titled Creating a Place Where Good Can Happen. Hmm. Um, and I don't know where she, if she made that up or anyway, but that, that just really struck me. Um, and I see that as kind of what I'm trying to do as a mom is making our home an environment um, where good can happen um, where Brian wants to come home and enjoys being where Brody can thrive and flourish and reach his full potential and I think most importantly to model what it looks like to follow Christ
0: hmm. Hmm. that's great that's great well you know we've talked about seeing our work as temple building regardless of what it is paid or unpaid um, you know seeing everything as, as sacred and, and valuable to, to Christ serving the common good and serving him um, I know you guys long to live that out. You, you would say, yes, called, filled, equipped. Um, Amy, I'll start with you with this one. It's a little risky, but how, how have you blown it? Um, you know, what are, what are the times when viewing your work as, as sacred, of really tr- serving Christ in your vocation, when is it most difficult? Um, and what does, that, what does that look like for you?
2: Gosh, I think I blow it every day. I mean, it's, it's really easy to get off track. I think for me probably that happens most often when I lose eternal perspective when I let little things um, frustrate me or overwhelm me um, the things you know that seem like crises at the time but five years from now are not going to matter probably five hours or even five minutes from now aren't going to matter um, so just losing sight of the big picture I think is, is um, probably where I get off track the easiest um, especially as a mom well probably with lots of jobs there's just a lot of Menial tasks, um, changing diapers, sweeping the floor again, saying no for the hundredth time you cannot jump off the edge of the couch. Like just it seems like a lot of things are redundant um, and that it 's over and over so it 's when you when I focus in on those tasks that that 's what I do, then that 's when I start to question like, is this really the best use of my abilities and my intellect, and that's when I get off track. Hmm.
0: Hmm. That's great. Randy, how about, how about you? So what are some struggles or challenges along the way? Um, I mean, you've had a long and varied career. Um, not saying you're old, but you know.
3: Um, I would have to say that the biggest struggle for me has always been um, probably to find the right work-life balance, and I know that um, that sounds trite. And because it gets used a lot. But um, because I travel so much internationally, um, because, as you can tell, I tend to overcommit and uh, get myself in over my head, um, the biggest struggle for me is to uh, remember that um, we don't serve our work, we serve the Lord, and to find that time for relationships, um, family, Uh, Rest uh, is another Mm -hmm. important part of that. Um, And I don't do that well, but um, I would have to tell you that um, I'm a good example of of what happens when you don't find that right balance as Mm -hmm. well. So um, I think that that's the the biggest thing is to remember that, um, as you pointed out, we're not working for a paycheck. Um, We're working for the Lord and that um, we are not only uh, building a temple, but we are his temple. Hmm. So... To do that well, to do that with excellence for him, um, it it does have to mean keeping work in the proper perspective.
0: Hmm. Hmm. That's really good. Well, just a couple other questions. I mean, again, you, you've mentioned you both have been a part of Christ Community for a really long time. You know, Amy, you've led, you're have led. you leading a community group with your husband. Um, you are a Mops leader, children's ministry. Randy, you've been on the elder board. You've both been through Razor. So you've, you've heard us talk a lot about faith and work, and you know how passionate we are about connecting Sunday to Monday. Um, and so, Randy... Um, what does that look like for you tomorrow? Um, I mean, here we are, it's church. It's one thing to talk about these things that, yes, my work matters and I'm serving Christ, but what does that actually look like for you tomorrow when you, when you hit the ground running?
3: Um, I think one of the most important things um, that those of us who name Christ have to do is help other people, whether they're believers or not, see in their work the same things that we're called to see. Um, and, and respond in the same ways that we are. For me, um, since I work with people around the world, um, sometimes my only contact um, with people is via phone or email. Um, one thing has really become clear to me and that is that um, we have to um, express gratitude to those we work with and, um, well I guess apply common grace would be another way to say it. Um, I think that too often we tend to isolate ourselves and think of how important or valuable we are, even if we see that in the scheme of of working for Christ. Mm -hmm. But we fail to to help other people see the value of their work and their roles. And so um, just expressing gratitude to people we work with, people who work for us, the people for whom we work, um, doesn't matter. But doing that and helping them see the value um, hmm. in their work, I think, is, is something we're all called to do.
0: Yeah. Any other, any other practical tips that you'd give um, just for living this out? I mean, that...
3: um, In the last year, I've been forced um, to become a parasitologist, a virologist, an immunologist, and an epidemiologist. And, and I can't do that under my own power. I have to do that by relying on other people to bring me along and and offer support. Um, I've had to rely a lot on um, reading and and, and bringing myself to where I need to be. Um, And so I would strongly encourage people to, um, if you need uh, encouragement and and a way to to help you really identify where you fit in your work, um, use other believers. Um, hmm. Read some of the great books at our disposal. I mean, our own Tom Nelson's "Work Matters" book is great. The elder team um, is currently working through Amy Sherman's um, "Kingdom um, Calling." Kingdom Calling. Um, Tim Keller is another great author hmm. who's addressed the issue of um, work and faith. Um, use those resources. I mean, hmm. I've read all of those books, and and they've been a valuable support to me.
0: Hmm. That's great. Well, how, Amy, how about how about you? Um, you know, again, going back to kind of the connecting Sunday to Monday. Obviously, it's very different for you um, as a mom. That's you, you. We know you work way harder than Randy. So, um, but uh, you know, what does that look like? Maybe it's not connecting Sunday to Monday, but connecting your faith in Jesus with the rest of your life, with everything that keeps you so busy uh, and occupied. How do you How do you do that?
2: Well, I think the biggest part is just attitude and. Um you know, probably what, regardless of what you do, what your job title is, if you believe that your work is important to God and you're striving to honor him in what you're doing, you're on the right track, um, hmm. whether you're a mom or... You know, it's, it's keeping that attitude, I think, is the biggest hmm. issue. Hmm. Um, more specifically for me as a mom, I think it's choosing to live my life intentionally. Hmm. Um, you, I, one of the quotes that stuck with me from Razor's something about life is filled with ordinary days, but it's what you do with those ordinary days that makes Mm -hmm. your life extraordinary. Mm -hmm. And being a mom is definitely filled with ordinary days. Um, So it's what your attitude is as you go about those tasks. Um, And I think, too, as moms, we... I think it's so important just to make my relationship with God my biggest priority, my first priority, because we spend... As moms, you spend so much of your time giving of yourself to your family and to others and if you aren't I find if I'm not receiving from God then I don't Hmm. have anything to give Hmm. Um, so I think making that my top priority
0: how do you Um, do that I mean what's that just practically
2: um well, unfortunately, it means waking up 30 minutes earlier than my son most days. Um, you know, if, I, if I'm intentional of mm. going to bed early the night before so I can wake up and start my day um, in the Word and in prayer, that really helps me kind mm. of align my, my focus and perspective for the day. At least I start on track. Yeah, um, yeah It's easy yeah, to get yeah. off track, but it, it helps sure. me start there. Um, I think choosing to live before an audience of one, um, I find that... As a mom, I catch myself comparing myself to other moms way more hmm. than I did as a hmm. teacher. I think hmm. I think maybe because it's such a personal job that you take it so personally. I don't know. It's very easy to get caught up in a comparing hmm. game, I feel like, either feeling inadequate or feeling prideful. Um, I find hmm. myself... I yeah. have to really guard myself from that. So really trying to be intentional about living my life for Christ and not comparing myself to others. Um, and I think just you're gonna get discouraged. So surrounding yourself with people that can encourage you when you do get discouraged is important. And then also then being able to encourage others.
0: That's great, that's great. Any other practical ideas or either of you? Yeah. It's all right.
2: That might be all I have. Okay, well that's good, that's good. <laughs> well, you know, again,
0: um, you know, we, we've asked them to come not because we think they've, they've got it figured out but because they're, they're trying to learn and grow in these things. And I hope that regardless of your situation um, that you've heard something that connects with you whether you are, you know, working or staying at home or you're, you know, a working mom. We know that that's a reality for many of you as well. Hopefully that you've been able to pick up things from both of their stories um, to think through what this looks like. And really the big idea here is that we've, we've, we've got to figure these things out in community. Um, we can't do them alone. And so we don't know what it looks like in all of our vocations individually uh, to follow Christ. And so we've got to discover that together. Um, so thanks guys for sharing that. Why don't, we, why don't we thank them? Taylor, would you do that with me? Okay. Well, just as we, as we kind of wrap up, we're going to, you know, move into some, some more singing at the end here and, and all that. But just to sort of wrap up this, this time together, um, just sort of in conclusion, if you're going to take anything away uh, your work matters. Whatever it is, paid, unpaid, whether you're, again, a student, uh, retired, it doesn't matter. What you do matters to God, and it is a place for you to serve him. Um, that if you're a follower of Christ, you've been called, filled, and equipped. And the work you do provides a place for you to worship God, to serve the common good, to love your neighbor. I and mean, think about that. That is a place where you do the primary time of loving your neighbor is in the work that you do. Um... As well as following Christ. I heard an interesting analogy this week, uh, that the church is an aircraft carrier, not a cruise ship. Uh, we, were, we were talking about this subject and trying to think through what that's, that's like, and that, that just that gripped my imagination, that the church is an aircraft carrier, not a cruise ship. The church is an institution that sends each of us out every single day into our world to serve Christ missionally. And then we gather back together on Sundays to celebrate what God has done and to be prepared to be sent out once more. That the primary work, one of the primary works of the church is the church at work. This is, this is who we are. We're not a cruise ship. Um, nothing wrong with going on a cruise, okay? But that's, that's not the church. We're not called to sit back and relax, to have our needs and desires met. The church is an aircraft carrier, And as we said last week, that Jesus sends each of us out into our world, and that includes especially the places in which we spend the majority of our time at work. And as Ken said in the video, this is a game changer. Because really, if you think about it, Jesus was no stranger to work. The first 30 years of his life, right? He was a carpenter. Before he began that small period of time, three years teaching, preaching, doing miracles, he worked with his hands, doing what God had called him to do in that place. And even even in his death and resurrection, his greatest work on our behalf, right? Right? He didn't merely die for us individually, die for our souls, although that's certainly a huge part of it. He died to to redeem our families and our communities and even to bring redemption into our workplaces. And so often he uses us to bring that redemption. And this ought to bring for us freedom, meaning, joy, even in the midst of drudgery, even when we hate our jobs, even when they're difficult, even when we love our jobs and are tempted to overwork. Because work is not about you or me. It's not about money. It's about contributing to the good of our world and serving the Christ who calls us. And who knows, with the work we do and how we do it, we just might be building a temple after all. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for the way that you have called us to serve you. Individually and collectively, wherever we find ourselves. God, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would reinforce our sense of calling, and that you would equip us to serve you, to seek you, to please you in all things. God, I pray that you would help those of us who are in in difficult situations work-wise, help us to, to see the bigger picture and to be able to delight in you even in a broken situation. And God, for those of us who are tempted to overwork, kind of go to the other extreme, Lord, I pray that you would help us to realize that our worth is in you, not in the things that we do, that we're not defined by our work. And God, for our students as well, as they contribute to their families and their schools, God, I pray that you prepare them to see the bigger picture of work, that you would help them as they prepare for greater contribution in the future. We ask these things for the glory of our Redeemer. Amen.